Hey boys and girls, it's time to make us a mixtape. You know how we like it. All those fun songs you remember. Hooking up with chicks or dudes in your basement for the first time. And now you're grown up and you listen to that song and you go, whatever happened to that lady who gave me my first HJ? Or the No uh, one's saying that. Mike. No, yeah, you never do that? <laughs> I can hear songs sometimes and I'm like, I remember that one. And then I'll, it'll take me to a, a sexual adventure of a young Marty. Couple of songs maybe, but that's yeah. not it. Yeah. No, what do you got? What uh it feels good by Tony Tone Tone. Tony sure. Tony 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 Tony, that, Tony. That was like my first kind of sex. Um <laughs> I don't think I have any others. And I, it was how, the irony that it feels yeah. good. Is it is I, the, yeah. what a great were you like having you're like, this does feel good. This ah. is now I know what these guys are talking about. I didn't about. even know I wasn't even listening because I was like just focused on not screwing up. Yeah. <laughs> Focusing on that screw. You know what I used to do? And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. I would have sex with my uh, my old high school girlfriend, Kate. And uh, and we would we, I would always play um, uh, that Oasis album that had like Wonderwall and all that on it. And right before What's the love story, making. Morning Glory? Yeah, before the love making, I would I would hit play. And then we'd start screwing around in my basement and stuff. And then and I would be like, all right, keep remember what song this is when we were done. And that's how I, I could add it. I would add went. up the yeah, times, yeah, yeah. how long I I still went, do that. Which was, a, oh, no. Yeah, like, no, but it's like TV in the background. You're like, oh, it's a, a put on an old uh, Johnny Carson. And they're like, all right, let's see if I can last. <laughs> nothing makes Let me chicks, see if I can last. Nothing, <laughs> nothing makes chicks more in the mood than playing an old Johnny Carson. No, it's it's just in the background. And then I'm like, oh, let's see if I can last till the, uh, the musical guest. Okay. Whatever. Well, Paul's <laughs> sexual exploits. <laughs> Uh, to <laughs> fucking old ass TV aside, this is Make Us a Mixtape. I'm Marty DeRosa. Paul Farvar. And this is a, a wonderful little podcast where we have some of the uh, you know biggest names in Huge. music come to us and they make us. How nice is this? They make us a this five your song mixtape. It was my idea. Paul wanted to do a whole fucking album review. Yeah, yeah. Good Lord, who's got time for that? <laughs> Not me. I barely have time for this, Paul. You know I'm a big, yeah. I'm a giant podcaster. I had to, I said to your manager twice to yes. get this scheduled. This yeah. is just a fun little thing I do for my friend Paul. It means, it means the world to him. <laughs> it's all to, I have for me to come down from my giant Marty and Sarah love wrestling tower in the sky, you know. Uh, and for I, the record, I, I think my podcast singles only is doing pretty well myself. But whatever, we're well, we're not gonna measure let's dicks. Not, let's not let's not whip out our Patreon yeah. numbers. You know what I mean? I don't want to I don't want to make you feel like an <laughs> asshole here. But anyway, uh, this is a, a, a fun little podcast yes. that we've been doing that's grown into the uh, you know it's really just top top five in music comedians talking about music podcasts right <laughs> and, now. And and uh, and and we've had some very fun guests. And Paul, I mean, Paul is a music insider. Insider. He's played in bands. Played in bands. You've heard of them. Shoeshine Boy. Yeah. You've heard of Fat Albert, Fat with, a Albert with a PH. Fat Albert with a PH. Go Tom. This is the soundtrack of your childhood. <laughs> and Paul has decided to say, you know what? Now I'm going to get on the other side. And yeah. I'm going to interview uh, musicians or just fans of music. And, and here we are today. Paul, tell everybody yeah. about our guest today. First, before we get into that, uh, if, and we really appreciate all the viewer mail we're getting, listener mail. I like saying viewer mail. Because it's Letterman and you're old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, paulmartymix at gmail.com. If you have your mix, send it to us. We both have to approve you as a guest. So if we didn't get back to you, it's 99% likely it was Marty that's saying no. Here's a tip. Throw um, a Limp Biscuit song every once in a while. It's not going to hurt. <laughs> if you throw a Limp Biscuit, you will get on because we're going to shit on you for the whole so. But uh, but uh, we do appreciate that. And uh, yes, we have some great guests, including today. Uh, something I did to bridge the gap between uh, playing in music and then switching jobs to become a comedian was managing bands and one of the first bands i managed was a, a young little band from a tough neighborhood of naperville um called air the side of caution and uh if you don't know naperville you've heard of uh you know rap bands talk about compton yeah, yeah. uh it's like know, it's like the west side the boogie of Chicago. down the boogie right. down bronx right yeah then it's there's that. Naperville. Naperville, uh, home to so many big, big names. Uh, I don't know what the SNL's Chris Red. Chris Red is from there. <laughs> our friend Chris Red. Uh, uh, and our and our guest today. And our guest today, who, uh, you know, he, we've had some fun times. We I managed this guy, uh, super talented guitarist, vocalist, uh, Berkeley School of Music alum, sort of. I think he dropped out with. Uh, you know, one of the stories I tell on stage uh, for years is thanks to uh, this guest, uh, uh, Johnny Don't. Johnny, how are you? Sure, you he, can call me you whatever. May have, Hi. <laughs> you may know him as Rain when he was in the band Air This Side of Caution, R-A-I-N-E. -E. Or just John Schmidt, because that's yeah. his name. <laughs> well, it's, you know, John Schmidt is such a 
such a great, uh, non completely non typical name that I felt. I, I you should, had to change. I like to think at the Berkeley School of Music, the <laughs> professor walks in and he just goes, "Everybody, write your names down on a piece of paper. Now crumble that paper up. You can recreate yourself." As whoever you want to be. Oh, my God. Like and then the, Johnny's like, I'm fucking, yeah, I'm Johnny. So, Dang. Like, yeah. are you thinking Robin Williams' Dead Poet Society or it's more inspiration. like... It's inspiration. It's definitely part of the part of the amalgamation of characters. A Michelle Pfeiffer character in that. There was I nothing, love, I love a good, nothing like I, this. I love a good look to your left, look to your right. Some of these people will not be here at the end of this semester at the Berkeley School and of Music. And that's true. Well, no, you have to understand, like, they took it very, very seriously in yeah. terms of, like, we are a college. Like, well, by the way, it's college. Yes. Music. Oh, Berkeley College um, of Music. Yeah, that they're oh, very particular okay. about that. <sighs> you already um, know that's I don't, a problem. I don't give a shit. Um, but they're they're like they really buy into the idea that you, they're a like not only a school of music, like we're going to teach you jazz and we're going to teach you all this stuff, but industry. Sure. So they are complete assholes to you from day one. Like you want to go to the administration and you need to like file a change of class or something. It's literally like trying to walk into Virgin Records or Capital with your demo and being like, here, I want to give this to you. Yeah, like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Most of the time it's a student who's like, they're basically told to like, yeah, treat these people like. Are they nice to anybody who it's like, oh, shit. That person's gonna be a star. Well, the professors, like the teachers, of course, like because they're invested in that. Wait, hold on, I forgot. We got to go back to Naperville, man. Y'all yeah, yeah, are yeah. capping on Naperville. Who did we forget? No, it oh. just we didn't, uh, Chris Red. I'm kind of upset. Who's Chris Red? I should he's know this. He's Live. great. He's, on and he's from Naperville. Yeah. A friend of ours. Yeah. Oh, how old is he? Uh, probably about uh, late twenties, early thirties. No, the early thirties. Uh, so he's a, just a. A, a little bit to... older than me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was probably a senior when hey you were man, a freshman. Who's famous from Naperville? Yeah. Uh, a bunch of people. Paul Zahn. Well, Lucky Boy's Confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Kay Panabaker, the actress. Bob Odenkirk too. Bob, oh, Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Yep, Odenkirk, his yeah. whole family. But they went to the. Uh, they went to Naperville North. I'm a Central guy. But oh, hey, man, Naperville. You. Hey, Naperville is fucking tough, dude. We have drive-by swearings. Okay, <laughs> like <laughs> we're fucking hardcore. No. So. You, uh, this is funny, um, you uh, went to school at Berkeley College of Music with uh, your friend John Mayer. Well, I wouldn't say we're friends anymore. It's okay. been quite a while. But, but you were friends at one time because well, yeah. uh, one of my jokes I do on stage is when oh, you... Yeah, you uh, were like, "Hey, do you want to go sorry. to the to the to the backstage the after party?" I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like in my mind, I'm like, "There's gonna be hookers. There's oh, gonna dude. be coke." I remember this. It was a bunch of nerds playing video games, and John Mayer doesn't drink, doesn't didn't drink at the time. Oh no, there was like I was the only. Where was this at? House, House of, of Blues. Blues. Dude, he was such a... No, like, when he says... He's telling this mildly because <laughs> it wasn't that there was a bunch of nerds playing video games. He had the people from Microsoft come with, like, a special setup yes. of the Xbox, and they used the, the, screen. E- the huge screen. In, oh, it's a joke I do now. Yeah. Where I thought the guy was showing up with, like, this briefcase. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, they've got some good Coke. Like I, dude. And it was, like, fucking EA Sports. It's in the game. It was, like, like it was sandwich bags of, of Coke <laughs> getting thrown around. And, and that's, like, dude, nah, here it was we the go. worst. I went home and, like, got drunk and, and uh, listened to Jack Johnson with a hooker. That's what I did. I was <laughs> like, I'm telling you, but that's, I don't know. that's exactly what see. If you knew the first thing he ever said to me, I walked into my first class at Berkeley. Literally, my first class was a songwriting, like a lyric writing class with this guy, Pat Patterson, who now I think is the head of the songwriting class at Berkeley. Pat department. Patterson? Yeah, he's a Nashville guy. So, There's a pro wrestling guy named Pat Patterson. But oh, really? Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. So I sat down and there was this lanky white kid behind me and he's like, you know, making all these jokes and stuff under his breath the whole time because this Nashville guy is talking about songwriting like it's almost like it's math in a certain way and we're just i was really turned off by it and then i wanted to talk to him but he ran out of the class really fast walk into my next class and he's sitting at it so i sat down and introduced myself and literally the first thing out of his mouth i shit you not was hey i'm john mayer i'm gonna be famous oh no <laughs> and he was totally serious yeah but he's dude he okay so douchebag. he was actually really nice dude he's very nice yeah but okay like, it douche, is to his credit but he's also like like douchebag wasn't in the common vernacular. This is in the late '90s, and that's how I would have described him now if I knew his twenty-year-old self, nineteen-year-old self, however old, old we were. But I still would have been his friend because he was super smart, and he was super funny, and super talented. Like just ridiculously good. What was the most helpful class at the Berkeley College of Music? Where you're like, now oh. this is something that in, that, in hindsight now you're like, oh. well, now I think it was uh, it. 
probably, honestly, uh, the legal aspects class. Really? Yeah. And I know Paul's cringing hearing because he used to Oh, do we used to have conversations about, I'm like, you can't do that. Like, Are you sure? I'm like, okay, you know what? I like, read this. I read Passman. Because <laughs> I, I, I read a lot Passman. of people read, um, who wrote the uh, um, Talking Heads dude? David, uh, David Byrne? David Byrne wrote that, like how to succeed in music or something like that. He wrote a book that a lot of people talk about. I haven't read it, but mm-hmm. I heard it doesn't. It's not like reading a, a book about the legal aspects. Yeah, it's yeah. more about. Passman is a famous entertainment lawyer that, like, it was a book on. I think it's up on my wall. Probably, but basically tells you how to, like, the legal aspects of, like, for example, if you start a podcast, how much music you're supposed yeah. to play. And I guess we don't pay attention. I get that, like, you know, somebody like a John Mayer could be like, "Hey, I'm John Mayer. I'm going to be famous." But it's like, sure, and he became famous. Good on him. How many other people were like, "Hey." I'm Steve. I'm Steve Bronkowski. I'm going to be famous. <laughs> they never said that, but there were a couple people who, and to their credit, like they had already accomplished things. Like a couple dudes, like uh, Charles Haynes III, was from East St. Louis, and he was had been at Berkeley like four years. But they don't go sophomore, freshman, junior. It's a semester because, for example, Charles Haynes. Every time a big artist would come through, they would hear this kid play the drums, even when he was like 18, and they'd be like, you're coming with us, drop out, you're on wow. tour. It and happened he, to him like four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did it with Steely Dan, with Ray Charles, and before he was go. 20 years old. I yeah. mean, this is the type of, that's the best thing I learned at Berkeley was, oh my God, I suck. That's the best thing No, you thing take I an opportunity that comes to you, like you can always go back to Berkeley. Well, I don't want, that's. Well, you're not going back. No. Yeah. If I go back for anything, I'm actually going to get like a. "Quote unquote real degree." Make mommy and daddy <laughs> proud for once. <laughs> so what? What? Um, when did you start making mixtapes, Johnny? Oh God! Um, as soon as I could, as soon as I could figure out my you know little fingers could figure it out. Because my uncle Mark, uh, my uncle, I have a pretty cool, a kind of artistic family. My uncle Mark's currently the lighting, like head lighting director on uh, Chicago Med. Oh, nice! Yeah, he's been doing. Film. I've been on that show, no big deal. Really? Yeah, so have you, right? Uh, no, I didn't get the. Uh, I just got the call back. Oh, I didn't yeah. get the call. We, but I think call. I saw this. I think we communicated about this Paul, on social your line media. On well, the real one or the one that I do on stage? Oh, you son of a bitch. I, on stage, guy, I you never know up. with Paul what's real see, and what's this is, not. That's the good, joke though. that I do on stage is different, but you're going to have to come see the live show. But my line yes. on the show was, thank you for taking care of our son. That's one of the three I had. Wait. No big deal. Did you play a terrorist? No. Damn I played it. a father from Syria <laughs> whose son was a victim of a hate crime. There you go. Oh. But anyway, sucks. so your Uncle Mark yeah, is... Yeah, no, so, but he's been making me mixtapes since... I mean, I, I was singing, like, should I stay or should I go? I probably when I was four, I was singing you know, REM tunes by the time I was five. He had me singing, you know, Born to Run and all that stuff at the same age. And so I, I, mixtapes are always a thing in my life, and I always loved him giving them to me so as soon as i could i was making mixtapes like i will never forget the cassettes day. yeah oh yeah like i'll never forget the day when the first duel d- duel came out oh my god life changer and then you could put dolby nr different nrs noise yeah, reduction depending especially if you had like you especially if you were like like i'm sure you guys did this too the oh man i i really love this song but i don't have any money so radio record oh yeah and then try to dub that you try to get the cleanest like without the dickheads talking on the radio you're like that's a good one i did uh i did hard under pressure by queen i've talked about this on the episode where i just just so one side of the album was all the cassette was all under pressure by queen from the radio yeah from the radio and just cry (laughs) because i love the song so much it was like this is the greatest song of all time like 83 it's like a kid. I would imagine That's if you fantastic. were trying to like woo somebody at the Berkeley School or College of Music and you were making them a mixtape. <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Oh, God. Are you like, all right, I'm going to give this mixtape to this you know, chick I met in class. Like, I hope she's not just like, these are your bands. <laughs> that's actually a very good point because that's that's tough, man. This because, is what you call music? Well, it's also like, you know, not only that, but you're at the Berkeley College of Music and I am I was studying songwriting and music production. Like, I'm writing songs for these people. What Meanwhile... They're like for the woman I'm talking about, like first woman I ever fell in love with. I'm writing her songs, and meanwhile, she and her roommate are also friends. Like we were all friends with John yeah. Mayer, and he's calling them into his room to play them his new oh, songs, like man, on, like man on the side and comfortable. And I'm writing this, and the first time I heard comfortable, I literally left the performance room, and I didn't write a song for like 15 months. So the mixtape thing, yes. 
That's very tough because, like, the girl I was making mixtapes for, she grew up listening to, like, Joni Mitchell. She's from Canada. She grew up listening to, like, oh, Joni Lana's Mitchell. Was in your class. That's no, nice. no. <laughs> but Joni Mitchell, you know, really heady. She turned me, actually, she turned me on. I don't know if you guys know Kurt Elling from Chicago. His wife is, like, the Steppenwolf lady yeah, yeah. producer. He's a, He won a couple Grammys for jazz vocals. Jazz stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. She is. turned me on to him. Mm. And I love him now. I'm just a huge, I've 20 years now, I've been a huge fan of this guy. But it's like... Yeah, it almost impossible seems, to make a mixtape for people. It like, seems daunting, like a daunting task. Dude, there, like, were, there were ensembles at Berkeley that were like, oh, your, your entire project is to assemble a group of five people and learn an entire Dream Theater record, note for note. Like, how mm. do you make mixtapes for anyone who's doing shit like yeah. that? Yeah. So you're doing it for the regular people, like the non-music people. You're like, oh. Well, I mean, no, I mean, you always like Jay Paul, you know, like John Healy, you know, John Healy, like yeah, always course. making always, Jason Paul uh, from Air the Side of Caution. Yeah, always making, I believe you've had him on. Yes, yes. Uh, always making mixtapes for each other or together. That was a big thing, you know, doing the whole mixtape thing and trying to time it. And we were always doing it together. And he would sit down like, you know, he's a math teacher now. He's a total dork. No offense, Jay. Uh, but he would sit down and actually write down the times of each songs and map it out. Which so you can leave the least amount of time on or the none, cassette. depending. Yeah. yeah, that's why uh, I always used to do that. Rap albums back in the day were great because they had those interludes. <laughs> yep. So you're like, I only have 30 seconds. It's like no problem. NWA like would have some fun <laughs> little like interlude that you're just like, I'll put that at the end and we leave with a laugh. Uh, when you put this five song list together, was it hard to put just five songs together? Um. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, because it's like, well. At first, it was really hard until I decided, well, I have to have a theme. And then once I understand there's a theme and there's five songs, it's like I have this like framework to operate with. Nice. So it made it a little bit easier. What is the theme of this five song mix? Shit you most likely never heard. That's or, very true. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, depending. Some of it you may have heard on, depending on how hip you are in like music. But I'm just saying for like the average listener of music, the people who are into music mm-hmm. but maybe don't really hunt new things out. This, this is, is most stuff. likely stuff you haven't this heard. Was good. And, and one good of the stuff. songs, the first song, actually, you c- we couldn't even get it on iTunes, so we had to too like, hip for iTunes. Yeah. I don't know about that. You know the guy, the Veils. That's the, the first song. What's mm-hmm. it called, Marty? Sit, uh, sit down by the fire. Sit about or what about him? He, the singer and the main songwriter, I believe he's the son of the bass player from the. British group XTC. Oh, I think oh, really? he's the son British of Bill Spotify. <laughs> and his dad's like, don't you put your fucking music on iTunes. You're a Spotify. <laughs> We're a Spotify family. Well, that's what I said when Paul told me he couldn't get it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's because they're cool. Yeah. Like, no offense to iTunes. iTunes or is our sponsor. It, but a, it's just, a, a knife no, through our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually we just did my homework on that. We, uh, we just don't... Uh, it's just easy because we both have the... Uh, what is it called? This I don't know. Like, unlimited. Unlimited whatever. downloads. So. Yeah. Okay, well let's let's listen to this first song and then t- we'll talk about it. We got to play a little of it. Uh, this is uh, the Veils. Born from the night and the roaring wind, cast out of the shadows by an unknown hand, warmed by the light. Is that supposed to sound like that? that or is it just uh, because of Spotify sound? What's I'm not on Spotify. I'm on YouTube. That oh. echoey? What? Like yeah, the echoey. Oh, yeah, no. That's, that's part of it. Well, okay. That's the thing he's going for. So what, he sounds kind of like Morrissey. Okay, so yeah, he does this thing. Well, like, listen, here comes the chorus. And it's like a little lower in his register. And you hear him do a little slightly different thing. So now it's almost like this early, like low, bo- like late low. Bo- He's weird. He does like Bono. He does Morrissey. He does this whole other thing that's his own. But I just love his voice. I love the expressive nature of his voice and his songwriting is just brilliant. From How'd his you lyric. find out about these guys? My cousin Mike, actually, Michigan Mike. I think you know him, uh, Mike Castellas Hassan. He's the Baha'i guy. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Baha'i whole, is a religion that I, my family is, but all right. Yeah, so he, they're very active in that uh, religion. They actually worked for the National Convention for quite a while, but uh, he turned me on to them. I'm pretty sure it was him who turned me on to them, and when he sent me, the, actually, that record, it was like, what the heck is this? Because every single song on that record is just, 
it's like hearing urban hymns by the Verve. Like it's just it's so encapsulating. And what it's gets so, you? What gets you with the song first? Like the ask, sound, yeah. the lyrics, the singer's voice. What what well, gets I guess, you? I guess it depends on what sort of on what the artist is intending. Like, do they start it off? How the hell does it start? Like that one clearly. See, this is, is why we need to take songwriting classes at the <laughs> Berkeley College of Music. <laughs> Pat Patterson. Because you say stuff, and I go, "This all makes sense." But I guess I just I don't I know it, don't but I don't know me. it. Uh, don't tell me I make sense. Um, because I usually don't. No, but it's like, are they are they intending? Like, do they want you to hear the vocal first, and is that the big thing? And with his voice, you know, if you notice, it started fairly quiet, just with that mm-hmm. kind of that tack piano sound in the background, and kind of distant. And then, but there's like the shaker that's in there, and then the drums come in, and he's singing, and his voice is there in your face, but it's also distant, and it's kind of like, are you supposed to? So with that one, it's definitely like the atmosphere that they're setting and his vocal sound more than it is the lyric but then once you listen to the song a few times it's like you there's some of the lines in there are just i love a good i'm like a sucker for a line but do you uh, ever like a song that gets real popular are you ever like oh the only reason you like this song is because they did bing bong bing and that's well, why you like it it depends like it depends on what you mean by how like a song gets really popular and like, is like it top over, 40 is it overplayed like popular like i mean just a song that like undeniably everyone kind of knows about taylor swift Oh, I don't know. That's hard, I mean, like, man. Yeah, or take like a John. I mean, if we want to talk about John Mayer, like a John Mayer song. You're like, here's why he's smart and did that because. Yeah, I mean, well, John's stuff is harder because I'm kind of on the inside track on that sort of because I know what his thought process was mm-hmm. back in the day about his calculated. Like, I'm going to do a pop record and make yeah. a bunch of money. Like, and... He's got hooks at certain times and in, in, in what, what draws people in. Exactly. And then I'm going to do a record that I want to do because now mm-hmm. I have the power and I can negotiate with the label. And that was kind of the deal I believe he struck when he signed with Aware yep. was that it was pop, then me, then pop, then me, kind of a switching off. Sure. Thing. But I don't know. Um, top forty wise, it. I think most of the time with top forty, honestly, it doesn't matter how good or bad the song is. It's because they're putting a bunch of money behind it. And sure. It's repetition and Absolutely. people like what they hear the most. It's what they're comfortable. It's with. repetition. It's so wild yeah. to think just like whatever the song is. Like I, I was, I was listening to a, a, a movie podcast and they were talking about like the songs for these movies. Like, remember it was like those astronaut, the uh, fucking, uh, like the Titanic song with Celine Dion <sighs> or the Aerosmith song from the fucking, uh... and it's like, they didn't even write the song yet, but they were just like, hey, Aerosmith, we need you to write a song Say for this Say these three movie. words. It wasn't Aerosmith. Yeah. That's the worst part. It's fucking Diane Warren. She, right, right, right. That's yeah, yeah. it, that lady. So uh, it's like, she does they, all that stuff. To just think like, all right, I'm going to sit we down and I'm going to sit down and write a song that will be on every radio station. The video will be played till you hate it. It's like that to me is crazy where it's just like you're just reverse engineering a giant hit. Like it's not just saying like I'm going to write you 20 songs and you can pick the one you like. It's like no, no, I'm going to specifically write a song and it will be popular and it'll be a and giant hit. And they'll have hit. three keywords that we need which is for, so, so crazy. related to this well, movie. Well, I mean, no, there's definitely a sort of formula you can follow in terms of not only format of a song but also like I'm going to follow these like think about like a band like All American Rejects who I'm not knocking when I say this I you know we did a band I was in we did Warp Tour an entire Warp almost I think half of a Warp Tour with them with and them. then they left mm-hmm. and great amazing live shows the guy the singer's like Jekyll and Hyde he's unfreaking believably and like just he's so entertaining it's ridiculous but listen to a lot of their melodies they're very similar to like what Diane Warren is doing although they do it a lot they don't hide it as well. I mean, it's like very nursery. They're, rhyme. they're throwing it in their face. What's going to catch? What's going to be? It's the very hook. simple. Yeah. It's like it's like literally. It's like singing like keep it simple. Little star, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, twinkle yeah. twinkle little star or something like that. And that's and Diane Warren. Unfortunately, like, the good thing about All American Rejects is they're taking that idea and they're coupling it with lyrics that will like young people will appreciate on a certain level, like especially you know, the angsty thing. Yeah. And they're doing it somewhat okay with the lyrics, or as Diane Warren, it's just like the most mawkish. It's like, did you hire Nicholas Sparks to write your fucking lyrics? <laughs> yeah, there's got to be stuff that gets like super popular where you're just like, come on, this is oh, this well, is bad. Okay, it's like this is one of my things I say sometimes is if. If I had a time machine, the thing that I would do is I would go back and I would kill the band Seven Mary Three before <laughs> they got popular because, like, I could deal with Stone Are Temple they Pilots. Cumbersome? Yes. Holy shit. Okay, so. I could deal with, like, Eddie Vedder started the thing, and then here comes Scott Wayland, right? And Scott Wayland, talented guy. Like, I really like Stone Temple Pilots' first few records a lot. 
But Seven Married Three, I think, is the band with that hit that bridged Cumbersome. and made the doors swing open for Nickelback. So because of that, if I think if I could kill Seven Mary Three, why not just kill Nickelback? Well, because Seven Mary Three is also awful. Yeah, and it would well, do they, a double but they service. Did no harm. Like nobody talks about Seven Mary Three. That's anymore. true. That's, that's a good one point. Song. And it was a good song. I mean, you liked it. You didn't tell people. Oof. I don't know if you could say you like that. But that album was a great example of when you buy the album and you listen to that song. You're like, oh, the rest. You of the bought songs. that album? I think I did. Holy yeah. I hate shit, that Paul. business model, so bad. Man. Holy shit. Well, here's the thing. Were you? That. When you, uh, I feel like in this next song you have on too. Well, let's play it before I say what I was going to say. Oh, Uh, yeah. These guys. All right. Sub Bionic. Or no, I'm sorry. American Girls. By the Upwelling. Such a good song, by the way. Oh, my God. This is a good warp tour. This involves American Rejects. I'll explain. They want to kiss like the movies. Fuck. This song is so good. This song is so good. You got to hear the record. Oh, I have it on my. I'm, I'm, it's all ready to go. I listened to the song like five times today. I. It's so good. The lyrics. You can be Barbie. You can be Barbie. I can be Ken. And Neverland. Okay, so what? Tell us the story about this. All right, so these guys. We were on AM Taxi, a band I used to be in quite a while ago. I was the founding lead guitar player in that band. I was in it for like four years. We were signed to Virgin. Ended up doing Warp Tour uh, 2010, the whole thing. And who was the, the big? Who were the big bands of the Warp Tour 2010? Uh, All American Rejects, okay. Motion City Soundtrack, and then nice. the heavier stuff is like Bring Me from the Bring Me the Horizon and um, like John Dillinger Escape Plan and. You know, and there were always some one-offs. Like, we ended up opening for Everlong, like, the second... No, Everlong. Uh, Everlast. No. Yes, the rapper Everlast. No. Which band? I'm... Dun, dun, the song Everlong. Dun, 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 Foo Fighters. Dun, no. Everlong. <laughs> I'm totally blanking on this right now. Everlong. And I love this band. No, I'm Lit? totally... No, oh, Everclear, Everclear. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was so I close. You're of the Toadies Possum Kingdom it's, for a second. Uh, <laughs> ironically, it's the whiskey. Um, so we, so yeah, a bunch of different bands, but All American Rejects was on the half, the first half of the tour that year, along with Motion City Soundtrack, and then they got replaced by people, and I can't remember who it was, but or maybe it was just Seven Mary Three. God, no. That would have been fun, though. Hey, we're punk now. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't We're fit. a ska we're, band now. We're so, hardcore. Yeah. So what, we're a Christian so ska is, is band that, now. So on the, when you're on the when you're on the Warp Tour, your merch booths are all set up in alphabetical order. So All American Rejects, AM Taxi, we are always right next to them. And the first day, there's this like kid standing out there in glasses, like sunglasses, really bright day. It was California. And... He's handing out these records to the, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 kids that had come up to our booth after our show. And he comes right over to me and introduces himself to me and says, hey, uh, we're in this band, The Upwelling. We're on the tour for like the first half, I think, or whatever it was. You guys are the best band on this tour. Wow. Very nice. like First, I was like. Okay, you know, like schmoozy schmooze. That's the opposite of like, hey, I'm Bill Smith. I'm going to be a millionaire. Exactly. <laughs> like, you guys are the best. Like you say that to every band. That's what I was thinking. But he was. You so... would have said that to Seven Mary Three if they were on the tour. <laughs> well, he was so earnest about it, and then I immediately went back to our tour bus and put on the disc and was playing it. Everyone in the band was like, "Dude, what is this? This is really, really good." I was like, it's that guy, that guy that was standing out. He's he the, likes us. Well, they didn't play for like the first three or four days of the tour oh, for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then on those days, they were at literally like right there at our show every single day, the entire band watching. watching us, like loving what we did. And it was like we became friends with them and hung Sweet. out with them. And now, well, that guy, the singer, Ari, the two brothers, the singer and the drummer are brothers. And Ari Ingber, the singer, actually wrote like the couple years after Warp Tour, he wrote like half of Vanessa Carlton's next record. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so he's a really talented dude. Well, but Vanessa whole... Carlton was uh, getting, the, she was, what's his name from Semi uh, Third Eye Blind was writing stuff for her. Really? Too. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Stefan. St- Steve. Yeah, everyone Stephen hates him. Stephen yeah. Stefan. I don't know what his name What's is. What's the guy from Third Eye Blind's name? Stephen. Stephen uh, Jenkins. Ne- Stephen Jenkins. Thank you. Yeah. Never a huge, huge fan. Yeah, of him, nobody likes him. I don't know a lot of people who hey, like Hey, Charlie Stern used to like him. They were a couple. Uh, that's, why, that's how I know his name. A lot of, a lot of nice. people in the industry. He's a, and he's I liked his, uh, I liked his chin strap beard at the time. I, I grew one of those <laughs> after I saw that. I was a young, a young college boy. So they, so they wrote for Vanessa Carlton. Yeah, so they basically, you know, we became really good friends with them and hung out with them on a the whole tour. We go see their shows. And that's just like, there's a bunch of, there's another tune on that record. Playing? 
No, they actually, I think they split up shortly after that because the whole All American Rejects connection is is that they were signed to the la- label that the Rejects oh, had. Okay. And the guitar player, I think, Nick, I think his name is, produced that record with that really cool, like early Tom Petty sort of tight clothes sound, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like that whole thing just, it was so, I've been listening to that. There's probably five songs on that album that routinely go on mixtapes routinely yeah american girls wanderlust if you've never heard if you haven't heard wanderlust that's freaking amazing there's a whole bunch of them on there that are just like okay where do i even start with this band like i want to put i want to make a mixtape that's 13 songs and five of them are the upwelling is it (laughs) so sometimes in comedy if uh if if i didn't know paul and we're both doing a show together and i was like hey man great great stuff tonight that was really fun and he was like yeah thanks and i was like oh fuck you didn't say that I also had Good a great say. set. And there's that like, ah, you got a little power over me now. Is it um, weird for like bands? Like do bands, you know, because I mean, they, they obviously were cool because they're just like, you're the best band we've seen on this tour. Well, the, you, there's dude. Okay. So there's like definitely like the Larry David sort of like hyper paranoid, like Mark Marin, like what the like what the fuck? I know you'd start chewing on that. You mm-hmm. think it over, but then if you're on a tour for a while, or, or we're the guys who do that. I do that, dude. Oh my god. No, 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 no. I mean, like you see another band and you're like, we're the guys who do the clap, clap, clap songs. Oh. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> yeah. that fucking. I like that too. No, it's like the thing is, is especially if you're lower on the totem pole, it's like you realize very quickly there are certain bands who will go out of their way to. Hey, we're gonna catch at least a few of their songs, no matter mm-hmm. what. And then there's other bands that don't give a shit. And then there's other bands that are just like, "Oh fuck, we didn't see. We're not gonna say anything because we were busy doing press, or we were busy sure. doing this, or whatever it is." While you're playing yeah. three hours before they go on, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So you very quickly get rid of that because it's usually, I mean, in a music setting, you know, I it's much probably a much quicker interaction between you guys because you're just there's no equipment to take down sure. or you know pass off or whatever. So it's like with music, it's like you're. I'm trying to wrap up my cables, and I don't even know who said a good job to me or not. Like it could be, yeah. You have you have a certain period of time to get up. I think that happened once. I think at the Metro once uh, when we played with Taxi Shanahan, Joe Shanahan walked out after Metro. Yeah, we walked. He walked out on the the stage and was saying stuff to everyone. Was like, "Hey, man, good job!" Just as I was like standing up, picking up my pedal board, was like, "Oh." Because like, that's like that's the difference him. between like if you ever go to like a like a strip club, and the the stripper has to grab their own money afterwards versus like I feel like a big a big hotshot stripper leaves and then someone else comes and grabs yeah. their money for them, and that's like that power dynamic. Also, another power move I love is when I go see a band and they have the big giant drum, and then the opening band has the like little tiny like set up like, in front of yeah, it. Yeah, and it's like oh, your little drums are in front of mine. Well, they'll be like, well, that's a situation you have when you're pr- doing production for shows or whatever. They're like, we're not getting our... They can set up in front of us. That's yeah. it. They're the fucking opener. I think it would be such a cool move to be like, you can use my drums, dude. I don't give a shit. Sometimes they let you. It really depends, I think. Uh, if you're on a tour, usually mm-hmm. it depends on their production or setup. Like, back line. Yeah, like the, if, there's a, if the drummer has a very specific setup and there's like or effects or, or there's pyro mm-hmm. or anything like that going on, it's, <sighs> you know... pyro. There's no way you can sit up there. It's against just some basic insurance policy. So mm. If you're not the drummer or like the drum tech, you have to be verified and all this stuff. Or but their sponsors, like some some drummers have to have their drums because they're sponsored. Yeah, yeah. And like, so it's annoying. You have to put that's happened. Sponsored before. by Tama. Tama. Yeah, we were on a tour. We did a tour once where they were cool enough. They we could use the drums. You know, obviously you have to switch out the cymbals and the snare. You know, and right. all that stuff. But they had to put like a piece of tape or something over Covering the logo the, on the yeah. kit. That's happening. So Jordan, Jordan in the Olympics, he had to put the flag over the Reebok symbol. Exactly. In <laughs> oh, it, all, it all makes sense. Don't you love the oligarchy? This is so fun. This is I'm loving this whole knowledge uh, is power. Berkeley College of Music experience. <laughs> We're getting a crash course. <laughs> you're a, like a you're like a TED talk. Uh, you're giving us a crash course on the Berkeley wait, College of Music. What this is did fantastic. you smoke and why haven't you shared? I haven't it with smoked. Me. I took an edible before this. Ah. So I'm feeling very <laughs> inquisitive. Right. These are all my questions. Are well, I was pretty stoned when charts. I walked in, so it's all right. Uh, I know over here just for everybody else. Again, you mentioned uh, a lot of these bands are going to be unknown to people. This was an, a, another band that was unknown to me. Uh, I knew this band. Subbionic. Only Paul, what I did knew. you know about? I knew it from from Johnny. He he taught me about them early on. And here's the thing. Um, this is another good story. What I was well, let's let's put play a little bit. What's the song? Quasi Dead. Quasi Dead by Subbionic. Nineties, you know, it's a 
this came out the late night. Well, you know, it never came this out. Album Sometimes I, I hear these songs and I picture what kind of movie this would be in, and definitely like a like a, a, a my so-called lifeish type of like coming of age '90s movie where like the the lead sing the, the the star of the movie saw the girl of his dreams kissing his best friend, and he's like fuck, and then he's walking home in the rain, and this song's playing. <laughs> this is what I this is where I put well this listen song. to the chorus. It's perfect. Listen to the lyric. Be no one luckier than I am. But then he kind of changes it and says, I'm quasi dead. So what do you really mean, man? Yeah. Do you ever hear a song and you go, what are you, what are you trying to do? What do you mean? Yeah, Keep all the playing time. playing the low in the end. Just like, yeah, I like this song a lot. And, and here's Great what I will tune. say. You introduced me to them. And there's a certain style of bands back when we were hanging out in the two, early 2000s. There's a certain style of artists that you liked. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and here's what I'll say about that. Because you are, uh, obviously, you're a talented musician, so you're going to be a music snob Lies. more than any anyone uh, else here. Well, thanks. Um, and then you also have a great voice. Well, thanks. You're, you're, uh, the big success of the bands that uh, I work with you with, at least, was your voice. People would be like, holy shit. It's, and yeah, you know, you've heard it. You sound like Jeff Buckley, all yeah, that I stuff. That a lot. But there were bands that you listened to, and they all had amazing voices was that is that like a requirement for you because when marty was asking no. before no no definitely not a requirement but that would be like if you like listen to something like oh, this guy's voice sucks like which is the shit i say about uh, a lot of the songs we've had guests on if, they, if the voice sucks i can't get well, depend, what do you mean but once okay here we go you're ready to go back to berkeley uh what do you mean by great voice because like that's talented. what i agree he okay. thinks it has to be like sonically or unique perfect. or or in key. Okay, like, yeah, like this song, yeah, like he's, he's got, got a great a, voice. But the last guy that we were listening yeah, to, I, you know, Ari, he's more of like a, you know, early Elvis Costello, you know, with the nasal. But it's a, it's a so unique. He's not like the first guy you had where it's like stealing from Morrissey and Bono. Oh, no, but, but like, that guy's, once again, I like those very, I like the very emotive. Yes, I'm a huge emotive. Buckley fan. Yeah, I love Tom York. I like the emotive voices because of what they do for me emotionally. So that's what of I tell like I'm the, the guy, same way. The guy from Ours, like Jimmy Nego. Yeah. Just they were just at Lincoln Hall. Yeah, I know, and I couldn't go. He I, he scares Van me. Ours. Yeah. Jimmy. So, but oh, that's yeah, the but thing. That's, like, I no, like that I emotive. listen to, but like Talking Heads. He's not the best singer, but he's a good vocalist. Like he's he's sure he sings in tune, but he's not doing anything that's like. But he has a bear. unique sound. Exactly, it's great. I love it. Like nobody else is doing that like except Iggy, the new Pearl Jam album. Iggy Pop, like from the Stooges, you know. Like I love that, or like Joe Strummer, you know. He doesn't. Or, uh, right. Mick Jones, you know. Like they Those don't have the best voices. voices, or even uh, Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Lane, Dio. No, Ronnie, well, Dio's got a great voice, but Ronnie Lane, like from Somebody, like, the Faces, or someone know, like, new like Jeff Rosenstock. I don't know if I know him. Great performer, uh, kind of does like more punk shows or whatever. And uh, but just like uh, the voice is just like I'll place him at the end of the show. Yeah, like the voice it. is just like. But you hear it and you're like, fuck it, the dude's so good, yeah. so fun. But it's the emotive. What, what you're saying is a good. You're putting it in better words yeah, than I am. Also, it's the emotional. A te- uh, connection to the songs that I think that you like, and I, and, and you and I had the same similar uh, exactly. style of music liking. So, oh, totally. Um, but yeah, same with like you know, if they're like you, their hearts are like breaking, you're like, fuck, this is what I. Well, I mean, it's and like I, you know, in the bridge in that song, it's just one line. Then they it's just this really cool little bridge. It's like two chords, and then they go back to the root yeah. chord. You know, the intro, basically the base of the song. But Mario he doesn't says, know what chords are. It's all right. <laughs> cords are, I bought some cords at Old Navy. Every every winter, I buy a pair of cords at Old Navy. <laughs> Set it up for you, buddy. That's awesome. So no, they say that the lyric in there. It's once again like the emotional content is, and he says it. He sings it in a very sad, like breathy sort of way. He says, "Look at the bright side of feeling lost or being lost. At least everything seems brand new." And then he comes out with, and then the drums do, then it be no one luckier. And he's just betting, belting that thing out. And it's just so triumphant to me. I just love it. You know, yeah. it's like I love that aspect of that type of music. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's that's like that kind of music where it's emotive and like emo y, I guess that's what you call it. But I get that shit. But then like Marty comes in here with his, you know, mighty mighty boss tones and you're just like what I the love fuck them. thank you i thank i you. met him sort of Dick met Dick him Barrett? yeah once Dickie Barrett, patron saint of this when podcast. i was at berkeley <laughs> yeah 
And I bet, I bet here's what he told all the kids at Berkeley. Same. If you can't do it live, don't do it on the album. He, he wasn't at Berkeley. They're, for, they're from Boston, yeah. obviously. And, uh, and I, they're worked, I actually worked at Urban Outfitters when I sure. went to Berkeley to make some extra cash. And a couple of the dudes I worked with were guys from Berkeley. And I didn't even know it because Berkeley can be very segregated depending on what you're into. And we were working for like I've been working there like a month before I figured out we all went to Berkeley. And it turns out they're in this punk band, ska band called Big D and the Kids Table. Oh, yeah. You know them? Oh, yeah. So I worked with like the sax player. They've been player. on numerous con- uh, compilations. Uh, I love the one the one song that I really loved. It's from the album, the EP, that's like a dual EP. It's their ska band and then a punk band on it. And the cover is just like the picture of all the people standing behind like a picnic table. like, And it's like uh, the song's about people walking slow in front of them on Newberry Street. Mm. Just get out of my fucking way. Like, yeah. It's... But anyway, so... They were opening up for the Bostones at the hometown throwdown, and they're like, dude, just come to the back door and knock on it at this time, and we'll get you in. So I was like, sweet, Middle East. I've never been there. Well, they oh, had that's built a great venue. Amazing. Yeah. We ended up playing there, but we, they had built uh, like an actual plywood room on into the alley behind the Middle East, take big, give them a bigger backstage for this mm-hmm. and to provide more space for the audience, I guess. And I went up and knocked on the door. And immediately, within like a second, it was just whipped open. It was Dickie Betts standing there in like boxers and a suit coat and like his shirt and tie. And yeah, you're not going to get the pants wrinkled before the show. <laughs> so, and he just looks down at me. He's like, what do you want? And I was like, I'm here to see. And he just slammed the door in my face. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey. Just like, all right, man. Hey. I, I can Knock on this wood, asshole. Like, right. I, was, I was like 19. I was like, yeah. okay. okay. <laughs> Dude, that's See, awesome. he's a dick. No, he's not. No, I heard he's a pretty cool guy, but for that show, it gets mad, like madness for them to do that for five, seven nights in a row. And I think this was like the fourth or fifth night. I'm sure he was just killed, you know? So cool. You got to love it. All right, next song is The Bones of You by oh. Elbow. Uh, let's play a little bit of this and then talk about it. It's almost like his, his voice is almost like it's so pretty, you know. It's so perfect, and you can you can hear very like how he dictates that he's very English. So what's yeah. uh, what's your connection to this band? I know that they're Once an influence, again, right? This is a huge this this album the the album they put out a couple albums. Wait, hold on, turn it back up. You have to hear it when the chorus kicks in because that's one of the reason I put this on here. Listen to this bass sound. That uh, I can't think they call it a saw or a sine wave or a tooth wave. I don't know what it's called, but I just love this bass sound. These guys are so creative. They're it's Elbow. It's the band. Yeah. They. They win all these awards for their recordings every year across Europe. They're hugely popular in Europe. They, I mean, they're just unbelievable. They do all this stuff in a house they've been in for like 20 it's years. It's all production, opposite of what Dickie says, the stuff you can't do on stage because it's all post-production. Exactly. So this is all production. They record <laughs> all this stuff by themselves. They've never used a producer. They win all these awards, so of course no one in America has ever heard of them. Sure. Because they're so good. But it's just like... The, the sounds that they make and the, the writing, this, the creativity, everything behind. I mean, everything is so thoughtful and well done and tasteful. It's like, I don't understand. And then they put out so much material. It's like, but we heard I, we, their first album. I don't know how Jay Paul heard of it. He turned me on to it. Jason Paul. Yeah, and it was right when we were just starting to really form the, band, the, yeah. the first record. Air the Side and of that, Caution. Yeah. For this, so Elbow's first record, that, that song is not on. It's from a different record. But their first record was a huge influence on yeah. how we approached recording or the side of Caution's first record. So it was like... I was there for that. That was a fun experience. That was, well, it couldn't have been that fun. I was a, I was a terror. Yeah, you were, <laughs> you were difficult. Uh, to say the least. <laughs> but uh, we were recording at... Uh, Air the Side of Caution's album was recorded at... Um, What's his name? Steve uh, Albini. Yeah, the basic tracks we did at Electrical, Electrical Audio. Electrical Audio. Yeah, he's. That was a really cool experience. We actually got to. Were you there when we got to go up to the apartment with him? No, I got to uh, meet him though there. And then he he, well, he was to, probably like, "Hey, is Paul not here?" And you're like, "Nah, he's like, come on up to the apartment." <laughs> I was just the Fuck manager. That Paul guy. They were. Uh, he comes to comedy shows yeah. all yeah, the time. Yeah, he's he's such a there. like a low key unassuming guy. Like he literally just came out. Like we were all just sitting up there in his apartment, and there were rooms that we were staying in overnight. 
that he rents out if you mm-hmm. were, like do a full block of days or whatever. And we were just sitting there and like Jason had put on South Park. And all of a sudden, like, just this guy sits down next to me and just goes, hey, guys. I turn and I was like, oh, my God. Steve, oh my is God, everyone oh my afraid God. of him when they, like, I staying at that place? Like, don't make too much noise. You might make Steve mad. No, he's total rock and roll, man. Okay, like, good. He was, I That's think he I like came in and was there for, like, an hour and then left again. And I, don't, okay. I think we heard him coming in at, like, four in the morning or something. Nice. Like, he was, <laughs> he was, he, we really didn't get to talk to him much. It didn't really bother him. But I love that guy. Like, just yeah. his work, you know, like, so, his yeah. attitude. I love it. But with, like you said, with Elbow, that they were a big influence on you too. But again, you oh, have yeah. the lyrics, you have uh, you know complex music intricacies and vo- vocals. It is. I mean, it really is. I mean, that's that's what I like. That's what the stuff. If I could turn people onto you know a lot of music, it's like this is the type of stuff that would mainly be focused. You know, I'd be playing hours and. But you know, I'm like any musician. You're all over the map. I won't say I listen to everything because I don't. But right. like you're all over the. I mean, I'm all over the map. I listen to one of my favorite bands is. And Steely Dan. Oh, they're amazing! You know, like that's what I just saw them. I think last summer, and it was well, they're gone that now. was freaking awesome. It was like at the height of Me Too, and they he Walter not Walter Becker he's dead. Donald Fagan decides it's the height of Me Too. I'm gonna open with Hey 19, which is like <laughs> if you know the lyrics to that song, it's like No, we can't dance together. No, we. He's talking about like a a nineteen year old girl that's at one of his parties, and then later on in the song, one of the refrains is, "The Cuervo Gold, the fine Colombian, <laughs> make tonight a wonderful thing." And the he's only talking thing, about this with like a nineteen yeah. year old girl, like, "Oh my God, I love this." Band. The only thing worse he could have done was did a cover of Wingers. She's only seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> which is a real song and fucking I played it for my girlfriend and she went wow oh this is God. real oh yeah she's only 17 especially if he decided he was going to wear Winger's yes. outfit oh, dress yeah. like any, hip dress any like hip. song from uh, uh, Motley Crue's collection I think yeah. like, really they much. did a really fun they did a really fun uh, when Will Ferrell hosted SNL one of the most recent times um, he did a character of like an old timey like singer you know and he had like it was like a like a uh, um you know, he's got the, the fucking piano and everything, and he's just kind of like behind it. And they're like, You remember the old hits? And he's like, If you know what I mean, she was only 12. But what was I to do? And it was like <laughs> like a Jerry, a Jerry Lee Lewis type of thing. And the people who are like doing the infomercial for it are like, Wow, well, music was different back then. And the guy's like, He recorded that last year. And it's like, Oh no. But there definitely was uh, songs back in the day where it was like, Wait a minute. I'm going to do the math on this one. <laughs> it's funny because you listen to, and I, and I do a joke about it on stage now with Dr. Feelgood, and people are like, oh, that band's. I'm like, there's, there's songs like She Goes Down, is the whole song is about dating a girl because she gives blow, good blow. Oh, job. yeah. It's like, well, I mean, that's still, it's kind of going on. It's just like, it's like people are trying to be witty about it, but sex it's so. Pests. Well, I mean, it's a lot of it nowadays, and this is unfortunately kind of how the music industry, business, popularity, I don't know, marketing, whatever you want to call it, has turned, is like now the all the poison and, you know, the ballads and all that stuff and all the raunchy songs are all part of the country, quote-unquote, music scene, like the pop country scene, Ugh. where it's like, think about... Uh, Terrible. Florida Georgia Line, Florida Georgia Terrible. Line. Yeah, uh, tr- their their song that that like the chorus is talking about, basically comparing a woman to a truck that he they're gonna roll her window down and ride. It's just so great. Like, are you kidding me? All the it's old not songs. as over the top yeah. as like seventeen no, and that no, no. stuff. But well, we new, have some of your lyrics here from new, Berkeley, yeah. and you were saying something. <laughs> but like, yeah, for the new the new popular country stuff is just such garbage, and it's such paint by numbers, and it's oh. like I'm gonna talk about her her sugar shaker. That's what about her. The I'm going to talk is, about drinking beers. This is so hard for me because I have friends who are, you know, like even like one of my wife's close, close friends from Naperville mm-hmm. that even like, you know, my wife is, I don't know if you guys know Door County up in Wisconsin. Oh, her, yeah. her family is like five generations deep in that place. And this guy also, his family also is that. So they'd spend like their entire summers together when they were kids. Like he's doing that right now, like, in, you know, on Broadway in Nashville, do, writing these songs. He's written for Florida Georgia sure. Line. He's and it's like. I'm really happy for the guy. Like you're making a living in freaking Nashville, mm-hmm. and you're writing for some of the biggest names. Why do you have to I write know. such dumb but shit? That's, but that's the. I mean, like, look at that guy. There was a guy who was uh, the musical guest on SNL recently, where the whole song is talking about how beer never broke his heart. Yeah, I don't know who what that band is, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm I like, mean, you listen to the lyrics. It's so funny. You're listening like, to the lyrics, but then you're like, but it's a. 
fucking catchy song. Was, like, but that's now the, the next day I was listening to it, and now I'm going to all his shows. Is no. it really? A, is it really a catchy song, or have you just heard it a hundred times? Yeah, yeah. It's you know what I mean? Like, gimmick. basically, this is this is really. I blame things like that. I blame reality TV and all that for the current political nightmare in our country. Hmm. That's why well, Trump is the president. Well, that's Marty <laughs> voted for so, so a big but fan. But I do know with the because I love country music and the new stuff is just like it to me. It's just like. This is yeah. this is not it's even garbage. country music. Oh, I didn't mean to make a judgment whether it was good or bad that Trump is president. I was just saying that's the no, that's same vein. Oh no, that's of, Paul's other podcast. Yeah, Trump's my yeah. favorite president. No, no, oh, cool. No, 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 no. I already no, said but you it did is, it. it. And it is a lot of, and it happens with every genre of music where it's kind of like follow the leader of like that's oh, what yeah. everyone likes. Okay, I can do that song. And it happens at all levels. That's why you know when NKOTB hit, then the other. Labels got you know mm-hmm. crisscross and Lou whoever Perlman else. Yeah. And, like, let's I mean, going back, one. there would have been no Seven exactly. Mary Three. Lou Perlman. We wouldn't have known who Seven Mary Three was <laughs> if these if if Nirvana wasn't a big band. That's a, no. I mean, it's that's a, they definitely a, lay the ground. But it's a dead end street, is sure. what I say. See, but this is you know actually a perfect segue into the next song. <laughs> yes, that's what I just did. Yes. <laughs> no, this is seriously a piece. It's about kids. Well, you'll see why. Okay, so speaking of dead end streets, the next song is called Dead Street. No, uh, it's supposed to be. Uh, oh, whoops. No, it's supposed to be. Um, oh, I have the tune if you guys want it. It's supposed to be you paper, paper to covers rock. Oh, we have Dead Street. I s- paper covers rock. Okay, is that AM Taxi? Yeah. Well, let me get same that. album. Get same that. album. It's like no track problem. seven or five. I no can't problem. remember. No, I haven't problem. listened to that album in a while. I'm sorry. Just edit it. Oh yeah. First for us, we have an artist who put his own song on a... It's not, okay, see, Bold let me... Very John Mayer-esque. Well, I have a good defense here, I know, okay? I know. So, uh, first, I haven't been in the band for like eight years. Uh, I didn't write this song. I wish I fucking wrote any wrote of this? these songs. Adam Cryer, Cryer. he's the singer. He's also one of the main songwriters for Lucky Boys Confusion. Went to high school with him. He and my brother graduated together. Luke Schmidt from Luke Buddy Schmidt, Nuisance. Buddy Nuisance, also Luke Schmidt, the Cold Cold Ones. Yes, yes. Good cover band. Uh, but the thing is, like we were talking about, like uh, the bad stuff from before. You know, like oh god, like they all copy each other and all this stuff. But the problem is, is like if a band was truly copying something like Nirvana, they would do their like and really did their homework as opposed to just going, oh, I love Smells Like Teen Spirit. I'm starting a band. Mm-hmm. If they did that, then we wouldn't have the issue. And this song, the reason I'm playing this is because I'm sure you guys heard Greg Cott took the buyout, yeah, right? Yeah. So this uh, for those that, don't yeah. know, he's a longtime uh, music columnist for the Tribune, uh, part of Sound Opinions, which is kind of like a poor man's version of what Marty and I do. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, Tim Goddess. absolutely. Uh, great guy. Uh, met him, hung out with him. Probably the most knowledgeable, one of the most knowledgeable people. About never music. had the honor of meeting him, but he's he's. I've, he's been I've, to your. He was at Air the Side. Yeah, he's been to our shows, shows and yeah. I've I've talked with. I mean, emailed with him, but uh, Greg Cott. So go ahead. So his partner in Sound Jim Opinions, Dero is Jim Goddess. Who uncovered the R. Kelly scandal years ago? So yeah, right. Which is, I think, the best thing he's ever done. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of Jim Goddess by any means. I love Greg Cott, but this tune puts the tip on it for me. Like Adam wrote this song because Jim Goddess reviewed. I think in the Sun Times it is right. The yes. I don't get that paper. I subscribe to the Trub. But he reviewed a Lucky Boy's Confusion album that Adam had written almost all the songs on and said something like, "This is what happens when kids." grow up listening to bad radio and don't know any better or Ooh. something like that in the review like and it was like and that's he's a lot of the lyrics are dead on about that what he's saying and it's like but then he says at one point he's like i learned this all from you because he literally worshipped sound opinions growing mm. up he yeah. listened to these guys all the it's time like, i'm not they listening to the radio i'm, I'm listening, listening to, to the you. shit that you're telling me to listen to. to you and he didn't do his fucking research is yeah. my point like just like the same thing with these kids if they knew if he did a tiny little bit of research adam talks about listening to that stuff all the time and i just love the whole attitude of this like dude what the hell? You just lambasted me, and it wasn't a bad record by mm-hmm. any means. Which record was this? It was a 2001 album they put out. Right they, when they were touring to support it, they were in Japan when September 11th happened. I can't remember what it's called. Okay, Not, is it Commitment? 
That's fine. No. AM Tax. I can't remember. No, no, that was Lucky oh, Boys that Helam Bassett. Yeah. And then so he, Adam wrote that song for the... For AM Taxi, I think he might have written it for Lucky Boys, but decided to take it back for himself. And it's just like, dude, Adam is such a stellar musician. That guy does more homework. If you go into his apartment, his shelves, his all his walls are covered with books. Like literally, every single book is about music. Is either it's either books or vinyl in his apartment. He does all of his homework. He is such a student of music to get roasted like that. Well, like just did Greg Cott give him a good review? I don't know if he ended up oh, reviewing it. Okay. I think he gave us a favorable review for AM Taxi, but um, would, that, would that album have been throwing the game? I think that was it. That was the one I was going to say, but I thought okay. that might have been their first one. I can't remember. I'm really bad with the Lucky Boys. Maybe it was Commitment. I think it might have been Commitment. Both okay. of those records are pretty good records. There's a couple of really good tunes on those records. I hey mean, Driver a lot was of good on. Hey Driver, Driver was on that one. That was on the Hey commitment. Driver. Yeah, 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 that's a great that's tune. A I mean, I love him. I'm Even a big I fan. Know that song. Atari, just the whole chorus yeah. to Atari. I don't want to sit here and say I'm sorry. I'd rather drink beer and play Atari. <laughs> like it's That's a fun. I always wonder about. Uh, it's amazing. We've talked. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but when you're writing a song and you're just like, oh yeah, this is like what I'm doing. not just better than all of our other songs, but like, oh fuck, I think this might be like well the song. Or do you get that all the time? Like I'm fascinated with this. Please, it's hard because it's like anything else, man. It's like doing a bit. It's like writing a bit, which I don't have really any experience of. I've been thinking about trying to do some stand up, but it's just probably a terrible idea. Too Absolutely, I'm too offensive. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get involved. Um, I tell really, I just say terrible things. But um, it's like that. I would imagine in that, like, oh my god, do I like this because it's new and it's mm-hmm. not like anything I've done before, or it's something I've been trying to do and I nailed it, or I think I nailed it, or is it the other end of the spectrum, like? Am I liking this because I'm just so used to everything else that I've done, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I'm, I've heard all that stuff already and like, and cause there's been times where, yes, I've been like, this is great. This is fucking awesome. And I write like what I think is going to be the chorus to this great song and I can't do anything else with it. And it dies in a corner somewhere, yeah. you know, what are some of the bands that uh, didn't make the list that you were like, oh fuck, I wish I had more. Words. Oh God, more time there. There's hours would be a big one, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're doing pretty well. Um, there would be a bunch more local stuff, you know. I mean, even I know Company of Thieves is pretty popular, but I yeah. still like to give them a, you know, a shout out. Before you leave, Jason Paul was here uh, for a podcast too. The, all the posters from anniversary parties are in that other room, and there's the one with you guys, Air the Side of Caution, and Company of Thieves doing the police cover up. Police. That's where we met them. Yeah, at. Uh, Marty's least favorite band, The Police. They're not um, my least favorite band. Paul just thinks they're one of the greatest bands. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, they're freaking him. All of them are stellar musicians. I stand. Just insane. I accept your apology, Marty. And uh, I happen to see, but I could say the same thing about Rush, and I don't listen to Rush at all, <laughs> but I do listen to The Police. I don't I don't know if I would say they're the best. I don't know them well enough to mm-hmm. say. I do. You yeah, can say they're, um, They are the best. And uh, you guys did The Police cover-up when The Police returned to Wrigley Field yeah, that was great. after years of not touring. and was so uh, fun. We did a show with all these bands, local, doing cover police mm-hmm. covers, and it was awesome. Company of these, Kitty not, Corner from the venue, yeah, Cubby Bear, and uh, a lot of these bands who are now big were on that bill. It was like so cool. You do one of your original songs, and then you do one of theirs, and everyone just stared backstage. It was packed. Nice. Was so I cool. remember it being crazy packed. What song and getting, did you guys do? I we, we did two police songs. I oh, think yeah. we did. Uh, I think we did Every Breath You Take and Roxanne. Maybe. And then we did one of ours. I think we did Here We Go. But it was like we got off stage and Company of Thieves got on. And I don't think they were there. They were there. They showed up like a little bit late or something. And they were cool enough. Mark, the guitar player who I'm still friends with, was uh, nice enough to let Jay Paul use his combo because something was going on with Jay. Yeah, we shared a lot of back gear on that. Yeah, so he he was really nice. And we had just met them. And they were clearly very young. I think Genevieve was 19 at the time. They had not gotten signed yet. It was like one of their first shows. Yeah, it was like at least one of their bigger ones in the city. And I... I, when we're done, you'll have to tell me the story about how you even got them on that bill or how you found them. But it was like they I remember just standing there getting they had a bunch of people, a bunch of my friends and people I knew were at the uh, police Alicia. concert. I was there so, too, yeah. And they came, everyone came over and it was like when we were playing, the whole place was just packed. Ah, what a solid. smart idea of like great idea. Such a smart I idea. idea. And my it was idea. so fun. So I'm playing and I'm doing our two or three songs or whatever it was. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get off stage. I'm going to go get a bunch of shots. I'm going to party with all these people. And literally as soon as Company of Thieves started, I was like midway through it, picking up a shot and just put it down and just stood in front of them for like 15 minutes. Like, what the hell am I seeing? They did King like, of Pain, I think. It was fucking... And they did one of their own songs and something. So I think they did like three tunes and it was yeah, just yeah. like who what the hell like damn 
we uh we are out of time johnny yes we are where uh where can people find out more about you and the projects you're uh um, you're involved in? you know i i tend to avoid social media but i am on it uh i'm on facebook you can find me johnny don't and just search johnny don't and look for like a black and white stamp picture of my face because there's a there is a band from Manitoba, Canada called oh. Johnny Don't. And every once in a while I get messages for like their production details. <laughs> oh, when you show up to the festival in, you know, uh, Edmonton, I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, no, that or uh, at Johnny Don't Did on, uh, I think it's at Johnny Don't Did on Instagram. J-O-H-N-N-Y, Johnny Don't Did. That's the nickname. Um and you got know. a reunion show coming with there this side of Yes, caution. I'm excited for this. And it's a bunch of really good bands on the bill, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to see Al Weber. I can't even tell you. I haven't yeah. seen him in like 10 or 15 years. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe even. Probably. Yeah, probably 15. That's well, it. We're uh, playing. It's Cubby Bear uh, 425, April 25th. What time are doors? Uh, I don't know. We don't know any of that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do know. We're trying. Are we doing the advanced ticket holding? Yeah, we'll have tickets. Uh, they'll be going on sale. Shushan Boy Productions drinks. 20th anniversary party. Yeah, if you have an advanced ticket, you'll get like a half a free beer. Paul, <laughs> Paul will come by and put a little something in your. Yeah. Paul, will, Paul will come by and pee in your beer, and you or go. pee in a cup, and then drop a roofie in it. As long as you're 19 or 17. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Sexpest.org. Johnny, I think you're going to do great in comedy. Uh, let's uh. let's end this with a, a fucking fun, just a fun song we can all get behind. I would like to hear this. Who is this again? Oh, I think you know who it is. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to do the other guy you wanted me to hear. Well, let's see that. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy some cumbersome <laughs> 7 Mary 3 here at Q101. It's a rain, it's a snowy afternoon at Q101. Oh, my God. Man Cow, you enjoyed Man Cow. Why? I don't know. But now you got to listen to this shit. Here we go. Bye, everybody. You know, I'd like to believe this nervousness will pay.